uh, it's actually going to be a battle because we have two sides in this room. We have over here what we call the left and over here we have the right. Sounds like politics, doesn't it? We've got the left and the right and uh, there's a dividing line in the middle that separates left from right and never the twain shall meet. And we're going to play a game and the game is called Choose Your Champion. Now, I, wanna, I want you to say this. this. These words are very significant. Can you say it after me? Choose your champion. Okay, we're going to choose our champion. And for the prize today, we have a very sweet uh, reward. So this only, though, goes to one team. And the other team gets nothing. So who wants to win? The left or the right? Okay, let's see how we go. Uh, but we have to have a series of contests to find out who's going to win. Uh, and uh, five contests we're going to have. And each side has to choose a champion for each contest. And each time your champion wins, you get the point. But if your champion loses, you get nothing. Okay. Excited? Okay. The left and the right. Now, it's not very civilized, is it, if we all got up and fought? Uh, so we're going to use an ancient warfare technique. And this Choose Your Champion is an ancient warfare technique. Uh, the idea is that each side chooses the champion and the champion competes on your behalf. So we've got five competitions. I'm going to announce the first event. So let's say it together. Choose Your Champion. And the first event is to find the strongest Kind of like it's a test of fitness or strength. So look around and choose a champion from among you. Uh, I'm going to have my assistant come up at this point. Do we have a champion on the left? Do we have a champion? Do we have a champion on the, on the, on the right? We have a champion. Do we have a champion here on the left? We have a champion. Okay, you've got to come up on the stage. Champions can't uh, stay in the background. Now, this is a test of strength, remember? Fitness. And, and remember, are you happy with your champions? Okay, because remember, if your champion wins, you win. But if your champion does not win, you get nothing. <laughs> okay, now, the test, the competition, the first competition is who can do the most push-ups? <laughs> Okay, so face each other on the, t on the stage here. It's getting serious now. Okay, and let's count for our teams. Okay, one, two, three, four, five, seven. Hey! We have, we have a champion who gets a point for the team and we have one who gets nothing. <laughs> so the scores are one, nothing. Okay, our second, our second competition is a competition and it is for longevity. In other words, who's the oldest on each side of the room? So you must choose your champion. 
Choose your champion. Choose your champion. I'm happy if you don't, you don't have to come out for this one. Have you chosen a champion on the right? We have a champion? Do we have a champion over here? Okay. Okay. Can I ask for your champion, what age has your champion attained? 81. Let's give the champion a, a, an applause for that. And on this side, what age has your champion attained? 76. So we have a champion again on this side. And this side gets nothing. Okay, that's two. We have two. Zero. Are you keeping score there? Okay, our next competition is the most... Oh, the other way. Oh, the cleverest. The cleverest. We need, our, uh, we need a game for this. I think we need a game. Choose your champion, someone who's pretty sharp of mind. This is our game. So, this is the competition. We have, we have a champion. Do we have a champion? We have a champion. Okay, <laughs> let's stand on this side so people can see. Now, are you happy with the champion? Yes. Happy with the champion? They are representing you. Okay, how about you choose the colour and you go first. Red all the way. Okay, let's watch it. The champions are competing. Okay. Okay, well done. And of course, your champion won again. And you get nothing. <laughs> okay. Now we have the most dexterous. Dexterity is all about sort of hand-eye coordination, quickness of reflex, that sort of thing. So we need a cha another champion. Hand-eye coordination, quickness of reflex. Here we go, Ephraim. We have champions. Come forward. Okay. Now this competition, quickness of eye, quickness of reflex. My assistant is going to drop the ruler and you have to grab it as quick as you can. So we'll do a practice. So there you go, you got to, and you've got to do it as quickly as you can after it's dropped. When it's, okay, very good. So that's, what's that score of? Score of 18. Okay, let's have one practice run before the, the real one. Oh! Okay, let's have, uh, now this is the real go. This, whatever score you get now, your champion is representing you. <laughs> 21, so the lower the better. The higher the better. The higher the better. The higher the better. It's coming down. We have a champion. 
Okay, so in that round, you scored a point and you got nothing. Okay. We have one more, and I suggest that this one probably will be for someone who is not that tall. Uh, so this is the, uh, the savviest. The savviest. So I reckon someone probably in... Someone in primary school might go well for this one. Do we have a champion? We have a champion. Do we have a champion? Come forth. The champions come forth. Okay, now what I'm going to do, I'm going to ask uh, a series of questions. And I need to, what I'm going to do is ask you to uh, answer one question, then another question. If we have a tie break, we have another question, okay? So I'm going to ask the first question. Now I'm going to give you A, B or C options, okay? So this, your champ, you realize you're representing all these people out there? I know it's a, it's a big weight upon your shoulders. Now, now, I don't know whether you'll know this or not, but you, you can have a guess because it's a, it's a multiple choice. Okay. In which movie is the double-decker couch invented? Okay. Some people might know that. In which movie is the double-decker couch invented? You have three options. The first one, Die Hard. Second, the Santa Claus movie. Or third, the Lego movie. So... Which one? A, B, or C? The Die Hard? You might not have seen that one. <laughs> the Santa Claus or the Lego movie? The Lego movie. That's correct. Okay, now we'll have a question for your opponent. Now, how many movies have you watched? <laughs> Which cartoon character said several times, just keep swimming? Now, there's three options. The first one is Dory. The second one is Winnie the Pooh. And the third one is Buzz Lightyear. Dory. Okay, that's correct. We'll go back to this side. What's the name of the snowman in Frozen the movie? Okay, three options. I'll give you three options. Is it Frosty? Is it? Olaf, is it Snowball? What's the name of the snowman? Is it Frosty, Olaf, or Snowball? Olaf, yes! He got it correct. Two out of two, wonderful. Okay, here's a question. This one's a little bit not from a movie, but from a show. Oh, it's from a movie as well. Now, SpongeBob. You know SpongeBob? In what sort of fruit does he live? Does he live in an apple, in an orange, or in a pineapple? He lives in a pineapple. That's correct. Okay, we have to do a tie break because we have both of your champions are going so well. Now, I'm going to give a question, and they've got to give a number, and the person who gets closest to the actual answer actually wins the tie break, okay, and wins the, wins the round. So I'm going to have a competition. Okay. Both of you can answer this one. Think about it for a minute because it's, it's a bit of a hard question. <laughs> okay. And, and it's, you've got to give a number. And the number, whoever's closest wins this round. Okay. Approximately, how many atoms are there in one gram of hydrogen? <laughs> now, it's the closest one, the closest one to the answer. <laughs> 
How many atoms? You know atoms like really tiny. In one gram of hydrogen, how many atoms do you think they'd be? Would you like to give an answer? Not yet. Still need some time. Would you like to give an answer? It's the closest. You don't have to get the answer right. It's just whoever's closest. One. Okay. So that's the guess is one. How many do you think there is? Ten. You know what? Ten wins. (laughs) So we have another point. Congratulations. Thank you. So for this round, your champion gets a point and yours gets nothing. Do you know how many atoms there are in a gram of hydrogen? Somebody knows. That's about right, yeah. 6.023 times 10 to the 23rd power. Quite a few. Now, it's time to give out the sweet prize. Now, how many champions win one for you guys? How many champions won for you guys? That means the people on the right, on, on the right this way, actually, are the champ- your champions have prevailed and you win the sweet prize. So that's for after. And of course, in champion warfare, that means you get nothing. <laughs> Now, you might prevail, some of the younger ones might prevail on some of these people to have some... uh... Okay. Thank you for participating in Choose Your Champion. Now, I'm going to put someone on the screen now, this, this person here. Okay. Does anyone know who that is? And I can give you a tip, it's not Aaron Bradfield. Does anyone know who that is? <laughs> it's, it's a guy, if you've seen, this is a guy called Boagrius. Uh, and he's from the ancient city of Thessaly. He's the biggest and toughest guy in the Thessalian, Thessalian army. He is their champion. There's not many people brave enough to fight Boagrius. One thing to notice as you look at this, he's pretty strong, isn't he? Who'd want, he's a big guy. And behind him, there's an army. He is the champion of the army. And when they're going to fight their battles, they send him out to do their battle because he's their champion. Okay, now, can anyone identify this guy? (laughs) That's the other army's champion. (laughs) Absolutely. Now, what's his name? Achilles. Brad Pitt. Now, he's a Myrmidon. He's from another Greek city. He's not as big, but he's a famous warrior and has kind of this blessed life. Uh, he's the champion of the Myrmidons. And again, you notice behind him is an army. He's the champion of that army. Now, as you watch the movie Troy, if you ever do, it's a battle be- it starts with a battle between these two places, the Myrmidons and the Thess- Thessalians. Now, if these two armies are going to fight, it'd be pretty messy, right? Lots of people would die and be injured and all that sort of stuff. So the idea in the champion warfare, you send out your champions. So this is the champions, one versus another. Boagrius versus the other guy, what's his name? Achilles. Uh, So it's not just two people fighting, it's two people fighting on behalf of their nation or their army. Only one of them will win and the other one will get nothing. Now that's the significance of the army. You're standing representing your army. 
One of them goes out, or they both go out, they fight. One of them dies, the other, everyone else goes home because the champion has died in their place or the champion has won in their place. If your champion wins, your side wins. Everybody wins. So each side gets to choose a champion, have that champion fight on their behalf. It's a very civilized way of defeating your enemies. At the end of the battle, Achilles wins, by the way, and he's given this. This is the scepter that represents being the ruler. So because he's won, he's meant to take that back to his king and say, you are now the ruler of our nation because your champion has prevailed over our champion. Or because their champion won on their behalf. Now, we just chose our champions, didn't we? And the champions prevailed on this side and did not prevail on this side. If our champion goes well, our team goes well. If our champion fails, we lose. That's how it works. It's common in many cultures in history. David and Goliath was a champion warfare situation. If your champion wins, your team wins. We get the concept. Now, it's Easter Sunday. Why are we talking about champion warfare on Easter Sunday? If we're going to understand, that's not a question yet, (laughs) if we're going to understand about what Jesus has done, about his death and his resurrection, we have to see it through the lens of champion warfare. Now, this this table, this is a table which shows how people in Australia passed away in 2015. And there's a whole lot, men and women, uh, you know, men die far more, more uh, regular of unintentional injuries, by the way. But by and large, our hearts, our bodies, you know, they don't last forever. A whole host of ways. Looks like a war zone. The bottom line of this analysis, of course, is that everybody fits those statistics. We all end up there. Regardless of how old we are, we will all end up as a statistic one day. It's inevitable. Despite all the hospitals can do, despite all the health things we can do, we will end up on that table at some point. We cannot prevent the inevitability of death. And life, in that sense, is a battle against death. We are battling against this enemy, the human race. And the bad news is this, death is winning that battle. In fact, every single time death had won the battle. That's where the concept of the champion comes in. If we think about a battle against death as a case of champion warfare, we understand why death is so universal. It's because as the human race, we have not had a champion who could win on our behalf, who could win the contest. Paul the Apostle reflected on this reality and and wrote these words. So this is from his letter to the Corinthians. He says, death came through a single human being. One person died and everybody else died. We had a champion. That champion fought against death. His name was Adam. And that champion lost, which meant that death came in and took over all of humanity. We lost. Our champion lost. And so we were subject to death. Just like when our champion loses, we lose. Because Adam sinned as our champion, as our representative, the whole human race lost the battle against death and became subject to death. In the next verse, he he goes a bit further, as in Adam all die. Theologically, that's the reason. We are associated with this guy, Adam. He is our champion because he was our champion and he lost. 
we too lose the battle in him. Those in Adam, those who have Adam as their champion, inevitably will die. And as far as we're concerned, everybody who's ever lived has been in that category. But thankfully, it doesn't stop there. There was a champion warfare that took place at the beginning of time, and we lost because our champion lost. But Paul says, again, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a single human being. The good news is there was another contest that was scheduled. Our champion lost the first battle, so we lost, but a second contest, again, it's champion warfare. A single individual will again represent us, and the stakes are high. It's about life and death for, for the human race. Could somebody overcome death? Could somebody act as the champion for humanity? Adam lost, and so we die, we get nothing. But if there's another contest, we have another opportunity. If we could have another champion, if that champion could overcome death on our behalf, then the power of death would be broken over humanity. Resurrection from the dead, just like death itself, comes through a single human being, a champion. Now, Paul tells us who this champion is and what the victory is that he has achieved. So in Christ, all will be made alive. Our first champion failed. The human race lost the battle over death. Jesus is our second champion. He succeeds. And because he has won the battle over death, we receive the victory. We receive life in his name. Good Friday, it looked like the battle was lost. It looked like our champion had failed. He died on the cross. But Sunday morning, something wonderful happened. He awoke. He rose from the dead. And in that victory, as our champion, his resurrection becomes the basis for us to receive life. Our champion has had victory over death. So we too can now have victory over death. When Jesus woke that first Easter morning, he won the victory over death for the human race. You don't have to win the victory yourself. Jesus has won it for you. He is your champion. He has has won and death has been left with nothing. Now that raises a big question, doesn't it? Because if our champion has already won the victory, why is it that people still die? Why is it that Christians die like everyone else? There doesn't seem to be an immunity from death for those who follow him. Where is the victory? If he has won the victory and we have received the victory, where is the victory? We are not immune from death. We are not immune from the struggles that happen to others. Life still presents us with struggle. But the Apostle Paul foresaw that question and then wrote this. But each in turn, Christ, the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. The victory over death, even though it has been achieved, has not been conferred immediately. There's a time factor involved. Just like in a battle, the champion may win, but it takes a while for the assets to be transferred, for the government things to be changed, so that the victory becomes real to the people who the champion was fighting for. Treaties have to be worked out. Lands and kingdoms are sorted. 
you finished your studies and you've done your studies, you've finished all your courses, uh, but you don't get your certificate or your diploma or your degree for quite a while. There's this interim time between when you complete what you need to do and when you're actually publicly awarded the certificate. Paul tells us Jesus as our champion has been raised from the dead as the first fruits. What's the first fruits? Well, when you look at a fruit tree, the start of the season, uh, you see a fruit coming on. It's really good to see that fruit, but there's not much at the start. It's only a little, one, one piece maybe, but it's a sign. When you see that fruit, you know just around the corner, there's a harvest that's coming. The good news for all who follow Jesus is the resurrection of Jesus is the first fruits of the resurrection. We have a real piece of fruit from the tree of life, the person of Jesus raised from the dead. And that's the sign that one day a whole crop of others are going to rise from the dead. That's the good news. A bumper crop is coming of people raised to life in Christ. And Paul identifies the time. Uh, The time is when he comes. When Jesus comes, the resurrection of all will occur. Now, we've had our champion warfare this morning. We've battled it out. We chose our champion, the one we thought would best win that competition. You know, it's really good. You know, you you pick someone who's strong. Interesting choice, Rob. (laughs) Rob, the strong guy. Uh, And uh, we pick somebody we think will represent us well in the competition. So we choose the best that we have. And you you, you go forth like anticipating, is my champion going to win? Let me tell you some other good news. Jesus has died and has already been raised. We just don't get to select a champion who might win. We get to select a champion who has already won who has already won the victory over death. We choose him as our champion. We are guaranteed that death will not have victory over us, that we will share in eternal life at his return, will be raised to live with him forever. It's certain. It's guaranteed. Because he has won the victory, we will become part of that victory. The benefits of that victory will be transferred to us and we will rise. We may have some struggles in this life. We may face some issues that are difficult. Our bodies will grow old and frail. But Jesus, our champion, has been raised. Our hope is secure and certain. Victory over death is guaranteed, not only as something in the future, but as a present hope. Have a think what it would be like. Imagine you picked up a newspaper. Somehow you got your hands on the newspaper that was dated Sunday the 19th of May. 2019. You got it today. And you think, oh, Sunday the 19th of May. The election's on the 18th of May. You'd read the front page and it would say, say, so-and-so won the election. Wouldn't that be great news? Or would it be? Who cares? I don't know. (laughs) But you would know what happened in the future. If you picked up the paper today, you would have a certainty of what was going to occur. Now, what would you do with that newspaper? Would you use it to to say, look, I'm going to support this candidate? You know what I'd do? I'd probably check the lotto results. Imagine that. You've got the numbers. And it's a $20 million prize. So you go down the newsagent 
and you get the ticket with those numbers and you just wait. You wait for the day when, the, when it's revealed. How does it feel if you know that you have the winning ticket? Let's say it's 20 million. Now maybe finances have been a bit tight lately. You haven't been able to afford to eat out for a while. No takeaway coffees for a while. How would, that, how would knowing you had the numbers on the, on the 20th of May, how would that change your ability, your freedom today? Do you think you might go to Muzzbuzz and get a takeaway coffee? You would have the freedom because you're certain, you have confidence your needs are all provided for at this point. Absolute confidence. That sets you free today to live in light of that confidence. What you believe about the future affects how you live now. It affects how you feel. It affects your attitude. It affects your freedom. If you know your future is secure, you can be more generous. You can be more free. You don't have to worry. And that's exactly what it's meant to be like for us knowing that Jesus has risen and that we will rise with him. Because he has risen, our champion has won the victory. Eternal life is secure. It's ours now. If we believe this, we put our trust in that, we don't have to get uptight about the issues of this life. I can handle tough times because my future is secure. I can handle bad news because I've already had the best news the world could ever know. I'm free from fear because even if I do pass from this life, I have confidence of the future. Our faith, our trust, our confidence in Jesus, our champion, works itself out in freedom today. I don't have to be successful. I don't have to kind of make myself successful. I'm already an heir of eternity. I don't have to be rich. I've already got all the wealth of heaven. I don't have to be popular. I don't have to be prominent. I'm free to serve and to rejoice in the hope of a better future, a better world, because my confidence is it's just around the corner. My champion, our champion, has made all of this possible. Right at the core of the Christian hope is this, that Jesus, having raised from the dead, is our champion, and those who put their trust in him will also rise. Because of this hope, we are set free to serve in the here and now, whatever the circumstances of our present life. The Bible is clear. Jesus has won the victory over death. And this is our only hope as human beings. We can't win that victory ourselves. We need a champion, and he has been that champion. But the Bible also says we have to identify ourselves with that champion. In John's Gospel, we read read about receiving him. In Paul's writings, it talks about putting your trust in him. God has sent out Jesus as the champion and invites us to turn to him as our champion. I wonder if you've done that. Have you put your trust in this champion? Would you do that? Would you be prepared to identify yourself as a follower of Jesus, surrendering control of your life to his guidance, to his way, receiving the forgiveness that's been given on Good Friday on the cross and the victory he has won for you on Easter Sunday. I'm going to put a prayer on the screen. 
This is a simple prayer. I want, to, I want you to see what the prayer is before anyone would want to uh, pray it together because I'm going to invite us to do that. Simply acknowledging what Jesus has done over the events of Easter and giving thanks for that and saying, I want to identify myself. I want to choose him as my champion. If you feel comfortable... I wonder, would you say this prayer with me? God, I realize I can't overcome death by myself. I need a champion who will win that battle for me. Thank you for the forgiveness Jesus won on Good Friday. Thank you for the victory over death Jesus won on Easter Sunday. Thank you that forgiveness of sin and victory over death are mine as I surrender my life to Jesus and take him as my champion. Amen. Lord, we thank you for the events that we celebrate at Easter time. The story of Jesus surrendering himself, that we would have a champion, that our sin would be paid for and carried upon him. And thank you for the events that we celebrate on Easter Sunday morning that though death seemed to have the victory, you have raised Jesus from the dead, that he is our champion. Death no longer has hold on him. And as a result, we are confident of our future and we can live freely in this world. Lord, grant us the promise of your spirit to know that confidence and to live for you in this world. In Jesus' name.